You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said there was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In a couple of weeks' time, we'll be singing a hymn, Lo Air, what's it? Lo Air, uh, Rose is Blooming, something like that. And there are a few lines in that hymn which come directly from the text in the Book of Wisdom, which we just read. I'm not sure if you've noticed that. And it starts describing in a very poetic way something a major moment of the history of the chosen people when they were coming out of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea, chased behind by the enemy forces with their horses and chariots. And it says, when peaceful stillness compassed everything and the night in its swift course was half spent. So there are your lines, when the night was half spent, the Savior was born. And that hymn is over 400 years old, and the text in the Book of Wisdom, shortly, written shortly before Christ was born, is 1,800 years after, well, not that long, 1,200 years after the exodus from Egypt. And now we're almost 2,000 years later, and we're benefiting from this hymn that was written 400 years ago with these lines. It's interesting to see the pattern of history and how we are the recipients of amazing pondering and gifts and alert people. Just like that hymn writer captured in these words that we're not describing the night in Bethlehem, but the night at the Red Sea, and then how this author of the Book of Wisdom with his poetic gifts and deep spiritual insight, which was much more important than the poetic side, is contemplating how God intervened for his people. In a certain sense, he's living out what the psalm is expressing. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. This is Psalm, verse 5 of Psalm 105. 
And it's commanding us not to forget. That's a major part of our faith. It's memory. It's also expectation. We're not living either in the past or in the future. We're living now, so we're living in the fullness of love that we can respond to all the love of God and sing to him, sing his praise. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Proclaim them. And it's also interesting that there's a line in this psalm that's very similar to the text of the Book of Wisdom because this is the context of this thought. And when God struck the firstborn throughout their land, the first fruits of all their manhood, and on the other hand, we have the Book of Wisdom saying he's in the middle of the night, when the knife, night was half spent, your all-powerful word from heaven's throne. You see how the hymn writer around 1500 or 1600 saw the opportunity. The word, your all-powerful word from heaven's royal throne bounded to us. But he's coming with the sword to kill in the context of the departure through the Red Sea. And this is very interesting for us to ponder because when Jesus does come, the word, the eternal word of God, he's coming to give life. And he himself exposes himself to the sword of Herod right away after his birth. He has to flee to Egypt for safety like Joseph, the first Joseph fled to Egypt while he was taken as a slave to Egypt. And then, obviously, at the end of his life, after other attempts on his life, he also submits to capital punishment, to the sword, to the spear, to the crucifixion. And here we have a major contrast that's very important for us to assimilate. And why is that so? Because many believers still support themselves on a lot of verses in the scriptures which speak in terms of the sword. And they're in scripture because this is the experience of all that time. It took a whole lot of preparation, first of all, to convince people that God is good. And he's on our side. And that's what Jesus is even doing in the gospel. You see, the gospel passage is wonderful because its purpose is to help us, to motivate us to trust in God's love and to keep praying even though we don't get the answer immediately. Imagine if we always got the answer immediately to God, we'd be treating him like a slot machine. We'd go and put in our coin of prayer and we'd get out what we wanted. But that's not going to be our happiness. Our happiness is going to be in opening our lives to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. That's where we will have our life. And our prayer is training our heart to turn to God, but knowing that he's better than, obviously, than the cruel judge, the unjust judge, and he's even better than an uh, imperfect father who will not give a stone to his child to ask for bread. 
or a serpent to his child who asks for an egg. No, he's all good and he loves us, so we should pray. So Jesus' gospel is, today the passage is helping us to trust so much in God that our prayer will be unceasing, that it will be total communion in love with the Father. And this is obviously an attitude that's coming from deep faith. And Jesus asked that question, will we have faith on the earth when the Son of Man returns? And faith is always a little bit tested. Now, another word that's here in this reading today is very beautiful in the first reading from Wisdom, which also prompts the hymn writer, I'm sure, uh, over 400 years ago. And this word, let me find it in a second, but it says that he is standing, as he alighted from God's throne, he filled every place with death, he still reached to the heavens while he stood upon the earth. You know, Jesus is standing in the water of the Sea of Galilee and his head is way above in the heavens, but this image is so powerful. This image is so also, you can't help but as a Christian read the mystery of the incarnation here. You, you, you see a reverberation, a, a, a vibration, a, an echo, uh, a reflection, a percussion coming through of the, of the incarnation. So the challenge we have is to change our mindset about God, about his goodness, and we have to learn to discern the growth in revelation. And while there are many lines which speak in the scriptures about wiping out the enemies, the way Christ does it, is from Calvary. He wipes out the enemies through the conversion of the centurion. The criminal who was crucified beside him is wiped out in the sense that he's changed. He's no longer a criminal. He's completely repentant. He will be a saint in heaven, and so we venerate him. We even have a feast in the calendar in the Holy Land for the good thief. Today you will be with me in paradise. And it's God's pride and glory and desire and passion that the criminal can be with him forever in paradise. So we have to change our thinking a lot. We have to grow into the mystery of Christ who comes from heaven with the sword of truth, with the, with the sword of love. And he stands from heaven to earth, the eternal word of God made flesh. Even in the bread we will consecrate. What a mystery. What a mystery of the Eucharist. What a mystery of the incarnation. What a mystery of salvation. What a mystery of love. What a calling we have. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.